This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. I am Coach Jen from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Mary Kitzmiller from Kemp, Texas, and you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for February 14th, episode 2118. Today's show is brought to you by Horseware. Good morning, Horse World. What is your favorite day of the week? You never stop learning. You never stop understanding. It's more in-depth than just riding a horse knowing that for the rest of my life I could work on this and, and I'll never stop learning. Good morning, Mary. Mary's here the second Thursday of every month. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. You've been on a, ma- a major league road trip these past few days. I've been following your progress. It seems like yeah. every time we talk to you, you're on a road trip. Yeah, they just sort of pop up and I'm I'm in that weird post road trip uh where you don't know where you are in the universe or what day it is or what to do with your life. <laughs> it's like this existential crisis. That happened uh, that happens to us right around um post radiothon. <laughs> oh, yeah, I bet. I bet that's crazy. Well, since when we when we last month we didn't get to do a, sh- a live show with you because you were busily driving around the country- countryside picking up another Mustang. So first off, let's start out with give us the backstory. Why were you driving around the countryside to pick up a Mustang? Because I've lost my sanity, mainly. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the more immediate why. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to beat a snowstorm in Illinois to pick up this Mustang. Um, so me and my assistant are both competing in what's known as a tip challenge. And this is in conjunction with Mustang Heritage Foundation. Um, and the tip challenge, it's based on the requirements that um, you go through to participate in what's known as their trainer incentive program. So that's what tip stands for. So when you do the trainer incentive program, it's a way to get Mustangs in homes and it's an incentive. It's literally a financial incentive for trainers because Mustang Heritage will pay out so much money for every Mustang you place. And it's an in-hand competition based on those requirements. So you want to get the horse at the very least um, halter broke leading around. They should be able to load on a trailer. Uh, They should be able to have their feet handled. And I think they need to stand tied. So this competition is pretty much a groundwork Mustang makeover. We have three months. We're into our second month now. And uh, we compete at the Midwest Horse Fair. And the finals are during their big night of the horse. That's the thing where like you see Guy McLean and Dan James and they do all this magical liberty. So the finalists for the Mustang competition get to do their freestyle during that big extravaganza. Um, That's a little pressure. There's going to be loud music and screaming people. Just a little bit. And and like a spotlight, which scares the bejesus out of horses. Um, So it's going to be great fun. And I'm going to try Liberty. So that's going to be even more fun. Oh, my. Yeah, yeah. So I've t- got a tell us about great. the 
horse that you picked up and where and all that good stuff. We need the this nitty gritty. Horse is she's from the same herd management area that Remy is, and she is the female Remy. Um, <laughs> easy to get along with, a big, fluffy teddy bear love, um, and also has a grumpy side. Remy cannot stand most other horses. I had to be very careful introducing him to my herd. And he's just, he's a little pissy prima donna when it comes to other horses getting near him. Well, she's the same way. So we got to work on that. Um, but other than that, she's wonderful. She's an almost nearly all white pinto filly. So she's got a few like a blue roan gray splotches on her. And unlike Remy and most of my other Mustangs, I am rehoming this horse um, because I've got my magical Mustang project in Remy. So someone else, I need to share the love and bring this horse to the public and let someone, let her be someone's forever horse. And she's going to be amazing. I mean, she's, she's really cool. And you could see pictures. I haven't posted on her in a little while because I've been out of town on another trip. Um, but you could see pictures of her on my horsemanship page. I've posted a ton of live videos of working with her. Um, they're not the best quality cause it's Facebook live, but you can get a lot of information on gentling Mustangs based on those videos. I've had a lot of fun doing those. So which Facebook page is it? Um, I share them on my personal page, but, uh, most of them are done on my Mary Kitzmiller horsemanship uh, quote unquote business page. Got it. So it's Mary Kitts uh, Miller Horsemanship is the one that I want to look for. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's the one you want to go to. And I will be resuming the live videos um, probably today, actually. Oh, because th- weren't you doing those in the auditor room? Um, or were I you did putting them live, on Mary Kitts Miller? I was sharing them to the auditor room. Okay. Yeah. The origin is the horsemanship page, but I was also sharing to the auditor room. And uh, if you catch me live and you watch me working a horse, you want to ask a question, get on there, ask the question, um, and I will answer it as best I can. So I've had, I've had a lot of fun doing those. So for the uninitiated, um, this is our training episode that Mary does each month, and we just geek out on various and sundry. Um, sometimes it's the process or the application of training techniques. Sometimes it's bigger um, philosophical training questions, but it's all about training horses. So for the uninitiated, fill fill them in on the process of picking up a wild Mustang, because I think some folks who haven't looked into it, there there are a lot of serious requirements, and there's it's not just like going and picking up a new horse. It's a little different. Yes. Um, the BLM requires you to meet uh, certain standards to even be able to um, have a successful application process. So, you know, they are wild. They are in holding. You know, some of the horses have been in holding for a number of years when you pick them up, but they are still very much a wild off the range horse. So you need six foot high sturdy fencing. Um, some people make do with like, they'll get some of that orange snow fencing and some sticks and make their round higher, which will work for most horses. But I recommend build a solid fence, you know, for your safety, for the horse's safety, six foot fencing, the horse needs access to food, water, um, they need shelter. Different states have different requirements for how much shelter you need. I think Texas, you just need like a shady 
tree because um, we don't deal with nearly as many elements as up north. So check your 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 local requirements as far as what kind of shelter or lean to the horse needs. Um, pretty much other than the six foot fencing, it's basic requirements you'd want for any horse. You know, just a safe place for the horse to roam around, have access to plenty of food and water. Um, the horses are housed in different holding facilities all over the country. Most of the time I pick up at a really big and cool one called Paul's Valley, Oklahoma. You can see it from the freeway. Just acres and acres of wild horses on pasture. It's lovely. Um, for this one, I had to go to Illinois because they kept it pretty local. The competition's in Wisconsin, so they kept it fairly local to the Midwest. Um so there's places all over the country. There's probably one within a few states of you, if not in your own state. And uh, you go, um, tell them who you are, and they hand you your paperwork, get you all squared away. And then you're going to back your trailer up to a chute. And they usually have your horse in a, in a close corral. And they'll run your horse down the chute and into this little this little catch chute. And, um, if you want to have a halter put on your horse for the training process, they can put one on there. I usually don't. It freaks me out. I worry about them getting the halter caught up in a trailer, or if I can't get to them right, right away, I don't like them stepping on a halter and lead rope, making their nose raw, making them bracy, but everyone has their own preference. You can have the halter put on, um, a lot of people like to leave. The horses come with a little tag around their neck. Sometimes the BLM guys will take the tag off, and but sometimes they'll leave the tag on. And that's everyone loves the moment where you can touch your horse enough when you're training it to remove the neck tag. It's kind of like that special, you're no longer just a number. You're it's my coming horse. Coming of age. Yeah, yeah. It's very <laughs> magical. Um, so that's a really cool and unique part of the process to training a Mustang. Um, and yeah, they load it up in your trailer and off you go. And, uh, you know, with, uh, with all the hope that it's going to be a great horse. So there we go. So that, that's the whole, and it's lots of folks pr post videos of that process. And every time I watch it, it always amazes me how reactive they are. It's nothing like, a domestic horse of any kind because a oh, domestic yeah. horse a is really... he's, he's associated with a yeah. human and he's, even if he doesn't particularly care for humans or has had abusive relationships with humans, for the most part, um, they're not reacting like a wild animal in that it's life is on the line this very millisecond. And these guys are, and it just amazes me the instantaneous reactions of those animals. Oh, it's a very electric atmosphere. And the BLM guys, I mean, it's a very efficient and it's it's as safe as you can possibly hope for loading a wild horse in a trailer. But, you know, I've seen horses that I was able to observe them just standing in their pen at, you know, at a relaxed state. And I'm like, that horse looks really quiet. I think it's going to be great to work with. But when they go down that chute, they will do things that make you go, what am I doing? Why? <laughs> Why is this thing going in my trailer? And so I always, I try never to, I've, I've, I've done this with enough horses. I try not to judge them too much by their behavior in the chute um, because some of your more wild ones are kind of like waiting to be explosive later. So they'll be oddly quiet. And some of your ones that was like 
letting people pet on it in the pen at the adoption. When they go in the shoot, they'll rear up and it's crazy. And you're like, oh my gosh, this horse is crazier than I thought it was. But then once you get them home, you let them have a breath and eat some food. They go back to being a pretty nice horse. So um, you never know. The One of the more ominous things is, um, and we had this happen with one of the my, my assistant's horse that she got for the makeover. You never want a BLM guy to come up to you and be like, is that one yours? And you're like, yeah. And they're like, be careful. And when a BLM guy who works with thousands of wild horses a year, like remembers a horse and like specifically tells you like, just be careful with that one. That one's, that's pretty ominous. That's like, oh my God, what am I doing? Wow. But this horse, uh, this particular horse that he was like, that one's yours. Oh, you better, you know, watch it. Watch that one. Um, she was very fractious and flighty and sensitive, but um, Honor, my assistant, has done a wonderful job with her. Her mane's all in braids right now, and she's getting brushed and curried. She's a more sensitive horse, but she's been wonderful. She hasn't been um, – it wasn't nearly as scary as maybe the BLM guy uh, made it made it out to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, he, she, that horse got the right human. Yeah, and you know, you know perhaps uh, with a different kind of a human that that had a different um way of working with a horse, it might not be that quiet, which leads us to our training tip. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um so I think I've I've mentioned this on a show before and you know, a couple years ago in shows past and it's uh the very simple training tip is train the horse that shows up that day. And I got to thinking about this. I did a little mini clinic last night and um, we were working on one rain stops, pretty basic stuff. And a couple of the girls working with their horses were, were pretty frustrated. They're like, you know, I just don't know what to do. This horse, one day she's really good and today she's not being good and it's frustrating. And, you know, I'm about to, you know, I, I'm about to pull my hair out and I could tell they're getting frustrated and upset. And I've totally been there. Um, I hate to admit it, but as a girl, when things don't go right with a horse, I don't, I don't tend to be, my, my first instinct isn't to be like, well, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm going to just work with this horse. My, I go into this existential crisis of what am I doing with my life? Why don't you love me? I don't know what I'm doing, you know, and you could get in this vicious mental cycle of just getting really upset and offended by your horse's behavior and questioning yourself as a trainer and maybe I'm doing something wrong. Don't go there. Um, in each case, I, I asked the owner, I'm like, okay, how how much training has your horse had in, in one particular mare's case? And it was a chestnut mare. So I told her, okay, right off the bat, just know <laughs> you're going to have some challenges. They're wonderful horses, but you're going to have some challenges because chestnut mares have, they're fierce and gritty and cool, but they're challenging. So it's so right off the bat, you know, mark that off your list expect this a little bit. Um, and she said, well, the horses had probably been ridden less than a year. I said, okay. So as a horse trainer, um, when I train like a reigning performance horse, I know straight out of the box, it takes me two years to put everything on a horse. I want to put on them, all the maneuvers, all the, all the stuff they need to do for the show pen or to be a good horse. Two years of training, solid, ev almost every day riding. 
beyond that, that horse in my mind is still not broke, still not like a hundred percent dependable. I could put, take them down a trail with someone's grandma riding the horse. It takes many more years on top of that of hauling and life experiences and physical and mental maturity and training for that horse to for me to expect that horse to be relatively the same every day. Like I can pull you right off the pasture, hop on you and then depend on you. So just know that, you know, these horses, your horse is probably still very green, no matter how much riding you've put on it. So knowing that it shouldn't frustrate you. You just know that, okay, we're going to have some days that, you know, where my horse acts like he doesn't know stuff. And instead of being frustrated, because I know I've come out, you know, thinking in my head, I've got a very horse trainer brain. So I'm thinking about, oh, we're going to do this today. We're going to work on our lead changes. We're going to work on the jumps. We're going to work on gates and blah, 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 blah. So I'll have this little mental list going in my head of, okay, we want to do this and this and this and this. Yesterday we were doing this, so we should be able to do this today. And only to come out and my horse won't stand still at the mounting block. (laughs) Basic stuff they should have had like first week of training. And it's very easy to get in this, well, dang it, you did it yesterday. Why aren't you doing it today? Don't think like that. Instead, think of, okay, today is mounting block day. We might spend an hour working on standing quietly at the mounting block. And that's just the horse that showed up today. The horse that showed up to work today doesn't stand still at the mounting block. So just think about, all right, let's work on that. So I might have to scrap all my fancy lead change and liberty and jumping plans and work on mounting block. And you can get really frustrated thinking, well, we should already have this. This should be done. I want to work on the fancy stuff. But even though you're not really working on your lead changes, working on patience, relaxation, listening to you, body control at the mounting block, your lead changes will be better. They will wait for you until you're ready to go back to them. And they will ultimately be better. Instead of you ignoring the fact that, okay, your horse has a problem with mounting today and just getting on and riding off. That ride's not going to go well. I can already tell you that. Or getting frustrated because a basic maneuver that you were working on went to pot. That's all right. Um, Don't get frustrated. Don't get let down. Just know if you know out of the bat that these days are going to happen and this is all part of the process, Um, that is going to keep your brain, that's going to keep your sanity intact. It's going to keep your patience with your horse and you're working on it. This needs work, obviously. So we work on it today. Um, so that's going to help you. Don't, I, I see this a lot more with a lot of, a lot more women than I tend to see with men. Men tend to get, you know, more, you know, well, darn it, I'm not going to feed you any dinner tonight because you're being a butthead. (laughs) And women tend to get more offended and upset um, or frustrated. Um, again, just, okay, this is the horse that showed up. So this is the horse I'm going to train. We had a very similar issue in the clinic with, um, a little girl who's on this really one of the coolest ponies ever. This horse can run 2d barrels and beat large horses and barrel races. So I know this pony is broke and fancy and has all these really cool maneuvers. But as I was starting the clinic and talking and people were trying to get their horses just to stand still for that, this pony was just really antsy. So I said, this is all you're going to work on today. And it's okay. You know, all the fancy barrel stuff, that's, that's going to be there when you come back to it. Don't worry about that. Um, work on, can I get you to stand still for five seconds and then tomorrow it'll be 10 seconds and then 20 seconds and then 30 seconds. Don't worry 
you know, don't worry that you're not going to get to do your barrels today. Just um, if you get work on this patience and relaxation and waiting for you, your horse is going to have a better performance um, in the barrel pin. So, you know, just just chalk it up to this is horse training. This is what we're going to do. It's going to be okay. What what do you t- say to and we've all experienced this. You're doing your thing. You feel like you're really ready for your competition. You show up on competition day and it's all gone to hay in a handbasket. Um, what do you have any tricks to deal with the mental baggage that comes with that? Because it's easy to say, okay, set it aside and we need to school through this, whatever's going wrong. What are some things that we can help to keep us from having an utter meltdown and gee, forgetting to put the horse the, in the horse trailer when we get home. <laughs> it's like, Oh, sorry. Oh, I forgot I to bring the horse home. There. Oh man. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's a tricky one because when you're at a horse show, you've paid all this money. Your horse has to perform this weekend. You can't just say, let's work on the mounting block for an hour. Um, so that is really tricky. And it's something that every Mustang makeover trainer has experienced because we're not showing up to these shows where these horses have to do elaborate freestyles and very difficult classes all in one weekend. We're not showing up with seasoned horses. They're three month Mustangs. Um, so there's a couple of tips I have if it's like, you know, it's crunch time, you need to perform and you're, you know, it's not going well, you know, right off the trailer, I can tell you, your brain isn't here today. Um, so a couple of those would be, um, don't worry, take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. Even if the show goes horribly, it's going to be fine. You know, it'll be fine. So, um, a couple of things I do, if you have time, um, on those multi-day shows where I have the, um, I'm able to get there a bit early. Uh, my first ride on that horse in the show pen when I'm warming up, getting ready for the show in the next few days, that I call it is, is a gimme. That is not training ride where I'm like, you know, trying to make you do all the maneuvers that we need to do for the show. I want my horse alert, listening, relaxed, paying attention, and I'll do whatever I have to do to get that. But I let their head, I let them look around. I let them check out the venue. Um, I'll gently walk and trot them around. I don't make them mash right onto the rail if they're really spooky. If I need to start in the middle and work my way out, I will. But that first ride, I don't judge them for it. I let them look. I let them just soak it in. Ride two, whether it's that day or the next day, that's where it's like, okay, let's get focused. So that just giving them that first ride of, it's all right, look where you want to look. If you don't want to go to the rail, that's fine. I'm not going to do my hardcore focus, get ready to show ride then. That's just walk around on a trail ride, get their muscles warm, let them look where they want to look. I don't force them into a headset or anything like that. And being able to have that ride on them, um, helps both of us relax. It gives them a chance, you know, Hey, no pressure. Just check things out. Um, the other thing I'll do is I'm going to be very active and busy with my horse. I'm not going to try to wear them out. I mean, if they need to trot and canter around, uh, to get some of the, the edge off, that's fine. Um, but there's a lot of things you could do with their horse to get their mind back on track without getting them tired. So, I'm going to keep that horse. I'm going to give that horse a million little jobs to think about. I'm not just going to sit at the, at the gate and talk with my friends and 
um, not pay attention to my horse before the class. So one of the things I like to do if I'm in the warm-up pen, I'm getting ready to go in. I don't have a lot of time to go trot and canter around. I don't have the space is I'll do a lot of walking them forward, collecting them up in the bridle, asking them to halt, back up a few steps, make them back softly, then go forward, stop, soften back, forward, stop, soften back. You can do that with a million maneuvers. You can side pass a couple steps to the right, side pass a couple steps back. Do that over and over again. You can yield the hindquarters a couple of steps either direction, move their shoulders a couple of steps either direction. You can walk them in a little rectangle, walk forward, stop, side pass, stop, back, stop, side pass the opposite direction, stop. So I'm just giving my horse something to focus on that wherever their brain is, doing these little maneuvers, it's like, hey, get back here. I got a little job for you. You're not going to overwhelm them. I try to stay as gentle, calm um, as possible. I'm I'm as firm as I need to be, but I'm not going to be quick. I'm not going to jerk on them or be quick or or urgent. I'm just going to say, hey, do this little side pass. Stop. Soften. Now back up a couple steps. Soften up. Side pass the other way. Um, and so I'm doing things that is going to get their brain back in their head. Um, and then, but it's also, I need that horse to be sharp on those maneuvers because I'll probably have to do them in the class, no matter what class it is, you'll need body control. So those are some really good things I do with the horse. Another really good thing you can start working on it at home, teach a calm down cue. So I like to teach head lowering from the saddle, from their back. Um, if you watch, uh, reining horses, these are horses that have to do high powered maneuvers in a short amount of time and doing all of those maneuvers once in a pattern can be very, um, can induce a lot of anxiety in a horse if you're not careful. So if you watch some of these guys, they'll trot their horse into the center of the ring to start the pattern. And before they do their spin or lead departure, they'll ask that horse to lower their head, um, And in between all these maneuvers, these guys will take a moment, lower their head, then do the next maneuver. Take a moment, lower their head, do another maneuver. It can be very subtle. You'll see them lower that horse's head a few inches. But you can do this in the warm-up pen too, like asking them to lower their head all the way to the ground. One of my favorite sayings a horse trainer who does a lot of this told me is when you teach them to lower their head, it gives them a chance to let all the marbles roll back into their brain. Um, (laughs) It's like all the marbles go down their neck and back into their head. <laughs> so, um, so that's what I that's what I feel under my calf when Nigel's all wound up. That's the marbles rolling around, yeah, not marbles, his heart beating. Their marbles are gone. <laughs> yeah, they're all over the place. So lower the head, marbles roll back where they should be. Um, and lowering a head is a natural calming aid for a horse. Again, it's another job you're giving them that involves body control. It doesn't take a lot of energy. Doesn't You don't need space to do it. Um, and it just gives, it's like hitting the reset button, like go here, calm down, take a breath. Okay, good. Now think about what I need you to do next. So practice it at home, get it really good at home. And anytime your horse is like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, lower that head. Just put the head on the ground. Relax, breathe. It's a great, you can use it on the trail. Anytime your horse has anxiety, lower that head. Um, that's Perfect. a that's a really good one. It's hit hitting that reset button. That's those great ideas. I'm going to use some of those. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Well, we're going to have a little break here and hear from our title sponsor, Horseware. And when we get back, we're going to come ta- chat with Rachel, who has a horse that thinks too much. Perfect. Perfect segue. 
another long, tough fly season is right around the corner. And the only choice for this fly season are the Amigo range of fly sheets, because they're built tough and feature the latest in design comfort, bug-busting technology, and sun-protecting fabrics. And the Amigo range has a fly sheet for every budget, from the Amigo Bug Buster Vamoose with no fly zone, to the Amigo Bug Rug Fly Sheet. Find Amigo Fly Sheets at your local or online retailer, or you can visit horseware.com. That's horseware, H-O-R-S-E-W-A-R-E.com. Ta-da! Okay, we're ringing Rachel. Hello, Hello, Rachel! You have succeeded. Yay! All right. I don't think we've had you on before with a question. Not with a training question, no. Okay. I wish it was because my horse was so perfect, but I think... Yeah, like, I've run out of things to do because he's done all the things perfectly. Yeah, that would be nice. (laughs) That's always the goal. Right? Okay, so this is kind of a good segue from our training tip. Um, You have a question about your horse at horse shows. Yes, um, I just have a heck of a time getting her to settle under saddle. This will be last weekend was our fourth year of showing. Um, She's great standing at the trailer. She'll sleep all day. She's great in hand. She's great in showmanship. She's great in halter. But as soon as we start to either lunge or to ride, she'll start out calm. But then it's like her brain just starts going, she's got to want more than what I'm doing. And she just starts fretting and working herself up and getting, you know, concerned that about everything. So just trying to think of some tips to perhaps combat that. Okay, very interesting. And and I love your um your terminology and your question, getting my busy, busy minded mare to stop freaking thinking at horse shows <laughs> and calm the heck down. And so it kind of sounds like she's got like a little bit of ADHD brain. She's all hopped up on Mountain Dew and just, you know, kind of a whirlwind, vicious cycle of thoughts. So um we don't want her to stop thinking. We want her to probably not think about so many things at once and to focus. Um, so what kind of, you do kind of open showing with her? What kind of, what kind of disciplines are you showing in? We, um, we started together doing hunter jumpers, but a couple of years to go ago, um, my back started bugging me. So we began to switch to the new, uh, ranch riding division. Oh, that's um, right. Which she's perfectly suited for. It's, it's wonderful for her. And we've um, norm mostly show open shows, but we'd like to tr- start transitioning into the novice quarter horse shows. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So some of our local quarter horse shows into, as well. Okay, so she's completely fine, and then you step in the saddle, and that's where it all goes to heck. Um, so have and we you start what, out calm? <laughs> uh huh. She starts calm. Does yeah. her brain get more frenetic with more speed? Is is speed the issue? Like when you start trotting and cantering, is that where it all goes? And and um, so when when exactly yeah. do things fall apart? And what have you tried before? Um, yes, um, I actually dropped her back to walk trot last year to just let her give her good relaxed experiences, and she was much better. She was still a little frenetic at warming up and things. The longer I work the um 
more hopped up she gets. She is five eighths thoroughbred and thing I've noticed things that work for my friends that have like full quarter horses, like just letting them lope, mm-hmm. letting them work a little bit, that actually seems to hype her up. So what we what I what I found works the best is a lot of walking on a loose rein, like walk, 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 walk. And then if she just starts really kind of, you know, freaking out walking. Um, but at some point you do have to canter and, Mm -hmm. you know, trot and do things. So yes, the more we work and the more we work at loping and extent and trotting on is when I really see some problems. Like we start to buck through our upward transitions and just be a speed demon that doesn't like to come down. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. Very good information. So yeah, obviously we have to practice the canter because we're going to do the canter in a class or even if you're doing walk trot now, you've got to get to canter one day. Um, and, and yeah, I've experienced this too, where some horses just let giving in their head and letting them lope around and get a good sweat on them is, is all the warm up they need. And they, you know, they calm down and then some horses like your horse that just revs them up more. And I find this a lot more in your thoroughbred or Morgans or Arabs. It just makes their brain go more out the window. Um, so one of the things that I would recommend is, um, 100 million transitions. So I had a horse that he wasn't particularly hot, um, as you know, I didn't feel like it was an anxiety issue, but every time we hit that lope, he was just speed demon. You know, I couldn't get him just to settle down into a nice lope and you could not find the bottom of this horse. You couldn't tire him out. So it wasn't like, I even took him to like mile long winter wheat fields and let him go. I'm like, you know, I'll find the bottom of you and you'll, you'll lope nice. And no, no, no. He could keep going all day. He didn't care. That is absolutely her. Yeah. So I, a couple of cowboys told me what they did and it was really helpful. So one of them was a guy who works at the sixes and these guys ride on hundreds of thousands of acres. And he said, what he does with a horse like that, that they just, you can't get them to settle in the lope. Either they're hot or they're just naturally a big forward horse. You can't get them to rock back and just calm down is he will long trot that horse everywhere and really work on that big, huge, long trot. Um, and then when he does start working on the canner, he would long trot that horse and just let him tip over into canner. So it's just this very smooth transition to where they can't trot anymore. You're, you're going to ask them forward until they just roll over into that canner. And then as soon as they canner a couple of strides, he'll gently bring them back to long trotting. And he'll do that instead of just letting him canter. He'll trot, 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 gently push him over the edge into canter, bring him back. And over and over and over again, hundreds and hundreds of times. Um, And you'll do that. It'll take lots of work and lots of repetition. And this is something you want to work on at home. Um, And eventually you'll push them into canter and that horse will be waiting for you to bring them back. So they won't just you know, they won't just uh, go wonky and gallop off and run off or build speed. They'll they'll remember because every time you push them in a canner, you brought them right back. And 
um, they'll start to wait for you. And as soon as you start feeling that where they're waiting for you, you can let them canter a couple of more strides before bringing them back. And over time, you'll you'll add a few more strides, a few more strides until that horse can canter around without just losing their mind. Um, this is something you can do from walk to trot, trot to canter. Um, lots of those up and down transitions are really big help. Um, someone else who told me something along the same lines was Craig Johnson. He was shown this reining horse that had really great stops at home got to the show and no stop this horse you would run it down to stop and nothing would happen and so it was kind of like oh my gosh well we're at the show and we have no stops what do we do and what most guys would want to do um is really get after that horse and work on stops from that from that rundown a hundred times in the warm-up pen trying to make that horse listen and stop well you're going to run out of horse before you get to the show pin and you're just going to make them more anxious and upset and your stops are going to go to heck. So instead of working on the, you know, sliding stops from the canter, what he did was he'd gently canter that horse around and instead of trying to make them stop and listen, he would bring them back from canter to trot, trot to walk. And from that gentle walk, Okay, stop, soften, back up. And he just did that over and over and over again. Didn't even worry about getting the big sliding stop. Just go from canter, trot, walk, stop. Real gentle, canter, trot, walk, stop. Over and over and over again. And sure enough, when he got in the show pen, his stops were back. So it's the opposite of what you'd think you'd want to work on. You would think, well, my stops are broken. I can't get the horse to do a sliding stop. So I have to try to get all my sliding stops because we got to go show in 15 minutes. Um, Anytime that happens at a higher gate, just knock it down a notch. So horses like yours, where the more speed they build, the more their brains run away with them and the more fractious they get, I'll still work at all three gates because we have to. We're, we're showing in them, you know, at this show. Um, but instead of just letting them lope around and around and around, tons of you know, canter to trot, trot to walk, walk to canter, canter to trot, trot to canter, you know, change it up. Lots and lots and lots of transitions. And you'll hopefully, if you do this enough in your warm up, you'll feel the horse start to let down and start to wait for you. And when that happens, you you ask them into canter and they feel kind of sane and relaxed. Okay, let's canter for five or six strides. And if you feel them start to get, oh my God, I've got to, I've got to run off again. Just, okay, back to walk, walk on a loose rein for a little bit. When they settle back down, go back to trot, roll that trot into the canner, let them out a little bit more. So those transitions are going to be a lifesaver. And I know Jen has a few uh, remarks on this as well. Ah, uh, I feel your pain, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, I know that's I know this horse. One of the things I started to do with Nigel early on, and this is such a common habit that we fall into. When you ride your horse every day, you walk, you walk around, the horse gets warmed up, everybody gets focused, you're all settled in, your stirrups are the right length. You do some walk work, you do some trot work, take a little break, you do some canter work, you're done. That's how it works. And when I got Nigel, that's how his life had had gone. And as soon as I would get done trotting, I would go out, walk around, get my stirrups right, do a little trot work, take a break. And the minute I'd pick up the reins again, he would break, he would break into a canter. 
Because he knew. It was like, oh, we do walk, trot, walk, canter, and then we're done. That's what we do. And he wasn't, he that was cantering, like but her. he wasn't, he wasn't there. His brain was not there. So one of the things I did early on is, okay, today we're going to be doing canter work. We're not going to do trot work. We're going to walk around. We're going to do plenty of lateral work, uh, maybe do some in-hand work, do lots of things to get his body and brain warmed up, but there won't be any trot work. We're going to do canter work, and then we're going to walk some more. Or I would do some canter work really early in the session, but maybe I had planned on doing a lot of work on trotting with some lateral work. Well, we're going to do that in the latter half of our ride. So that mixed it up. And that took about three months before it started to sink in that canter work is not immediately after trot work to just break that whole thing up. There's no rule that says you have to do walk, trot, canter work. And especially a horse that lives outside like he does. He's, it's not like he's been standing in a stall getting stiff and creaky. Right, right. Yeah, so that really helped. And do that if you can find play days or schooling days where there's just a lot of hubbub, but it's not actually a horse show to ride at mm-hmm. and practice that process as well as some of the things that um, that uh, Mary, Mary suggested. Those are good. And also something I would suggest is when you go to a horse show with her, find a buddy mm-hmm. who has a horse that doesn't have anxiety issues And see if you can arrange in advance with them if you could take their horse out for a gentle hack before you ride your own horse. Ah. In case I'm not part of the self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. Give yourself the opportunity to sit on a horse that doesn't have anxiety and do a little anxiety check for yourself. Because I have ridden many, many a horse and used to drive me so crazy. Riding my horse, and especially in a lesson. Why did my horse just pick up a trot? Well, you were thinking about trot, weren't you? And I literally <laughs> was thinking about trot. The two of you have um, grown into this habit together. So mm-hmm. that might be uh, just a tiny little chip in the paint to help you when you get on the second horse. You're going to have a little muscle memory of the first horse that wasn't anxious. You might feel some cues from her of building anxiety that you didn't recognize before. Right. Yeah. In all of this, um, you are the voice of reason. And, you know, as much as as, as scary as that is, um, <laughs> what I resemble that yeah. remark. <laughs> what what tends to happen is uh especially if you've had this happen for four years, so you you almost drive to the show like oh, I hope this doesn't go bad again, or oh, I know she's gonna do this. <laughs> So we can already have like all of this stuff we're heaping on our horse. We, we don't expect it. And and when the horse gets fast, we tend to want to get fast. We tend to want to micromanage the horse, hold him back. We go into this protective fetal position. The horse trots fast, so we post faster. So what, what we end up doing without realizing it is our horse is set in the pace and we're matching their energy. You've got to be the one to say, no, I'm staying slow. I know you're fast. You want to go fast or you want to lose your mind, but I'm, I'm over here chill as can be, and you're going to come back to me. And that's really hard to do. And and I've mentioned this before. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the radio before, but I talk about it all the time. It's one of the finest pieces of horsemanship I've seen. And it was at a stock show, so it was very similar to the kind of shows you're doing. And uh, we were all uh, working in the cattle pen with our horses, getting ready for the cow class. There's a bunch of West Texas taco hat cowboys on their little (laughs) 
furry cow horses getting ready for the class. And one of these guys, he's actually the same guy who told me the story about the marbles rolling back in the horse's head. He had bought at some sale this little hackney pony and cart. And he decides to drive it around the parking lot. And so all of a sudden, we see this little roadster cart and this high step and hackney pony trippy trotting across the parking lot. And I've had a bad experience with the cart in the past and a horse that had never seen one before. So I get off my horse. I'm like, no. I know what's going to happen. These horses have never seen something like this. It's going to be crazy. So the horses in the pen see this pony trippy trotting across the parking lot and they, they all go scatter and, you know, they're all freaking out. And these guys are having to manage these horses and, you know, get them back, uh, back to sanity. And this one guy, his horse starts getting real tense and looking at that cart and that horse is getting ready to do something. This guy, to his credit, he did not pick up the reins. He had a big loose rein on his horse. What he did is he went slack in that saddle. He stayed center, um, you know, stayed balanced in center. But I saw his core kind of collapse and his shoulders just slump. And he just went like a sack of flour in that saddle. And he stayed deep in his seat and just whew, like this zen moment, just let out all the air from his body. And this horse is getting tense. And this guy just, whew, just like lets everything out relaxes in that saddle the horse jumps left and right a couple of times the guy goes with him he stays centered and seated in the saddle but he stays relaxed like everything's loose everything's heavy he's just like um you know just completely deep and relaxed in his seat and the horse kind of jumps back and forth a little bit and he's like well why aren't you worried you know you you should be freaking out too this is crazy and the horse kind of you know, jumped back and forth a couple of times. And then he kind of goes, well, you're not freaking out. Well, okay, I'll relax too. And he, you know, the jumps got slower and slower. And then the horse just went, oh, all right, licked you, licked you, completely relaxed. And man, I, I don't think I could have done that. I'd have been reaching for that reins, trying to get that horse bent around and, you know, taking control of the situation. But this guy just completely let go and said, no, I'm cool. I'm fine with it. I'm chill. You're going to come back and meet me. Now, that's a really extreme version of that. But it was. It really showed me the power of when the horse gets fast, you need to stay slow. Even if you have to reach around and do a roan rein stop to shut things down, pick up slow and fluid. No matter how fast your horse is going, slow to pick up, quick to release as soon as they soften and relax. But always slow your hands slow your body, stay deep and centered, keep those heels down. And just that in and of itself, keeping everything slow, fluid, relaxed, breathe. Your horse can come back and match you um, more than you realize. I like it. Yay! We can can definitely try that. Great stuff for you, Rachel. Now, here's the scoop. In a little Uh while, when you've been able to implement your favorites of these things... We want to hear back from you, uh-huh. and we want an update. Is that fair? Okay, that's fair. We okay. have a month until the next show, so uh, awesome. I'll uh, I'll start working on them. Yeah, t- take know. take take the ones that that resonate with you and put them into effect, and when when and then we want to hear all about it and get an update. That's great. <laughs> Very cool. That's some good stuff in there. I will work on those things. Well, thanks all a lot right. for good uh, luck for taking time to chat with us this morning, Rachel. Thanks for your help. I'll keep you posted. All right. Great stuff in there. And you know, that got me that you've mentioned one rain stop. I have not worked on one rain stop with Nigel in quite some time. And I think we might revisit that this weekend. 
That gives me a lot of confidence. We were working on that in my little clinic last night. And like one woman in particular, kind of the same thing that Rachel's going through. She had this big, sleepy-eyed, like happy-go-lucky-looking gelding. And I I look him once over. I'm like, you're, you're going to be fine. You're not going to do anything. And she was worried because she hadn't ridden him in a while. And and uh, there was uh, a horse that was really uppity in the clinic. And she was worried about what that horse was doing. And I was telling everyone, walk on a loose rein, big loose rein. And I could see her just slightly picking up on the reins and trying to manage her horse. And I said, you know, don't do that. Loose rein. She goes like, but he's going to run into this horse. And he's this horse is doing this over there. Da, 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 da. I said, well, if you get near a horse, pick up. Steer him away, then go back to loose rein. Don't hold him because you're just going to make him more dull or more anxious. Yeah, and those are the two options, responsive. more dull or more anxious. Yeah. Yeah. So the it's a false sense of security. If that horse really wanted to do something, holding on to him with two reins, you're not going to stop him. It's a false sense of control. It's an illusion. It's not going to work. And it's going to make your horse less responsive when you need him to be. So... You know, I have the confidence most of the time to ride on a big loose rein because if something goes down and man, I got to shut this down right now, I've got that one rein stop in my pocket. So I can always slide down, pick up, bend that horse around, stop. So that gives me the confidence to let them go a little bit, let them have their head, treat them like they're a nice, broke, relaxed horse. Because if something happens, I can get it. I know I can shut it down. It'll be okay. Yeah. I think we should, in a future episode, um, set aside some time for revisiting the one rain stop because it is such a useful skill for both horse and rider. And it's not something I was taught until much later in my riding career. I had been competing uh, for 30 years before somebody taught me what a one rain stop was because I came from the English side of things where... You didn't do that. But um, when I got with my instructor, when I first started with her, with uh, Kim Wallace, that was pretty near the first thing she taught me. And I never felt like I had a horse that needed it. It's like, well, no, she stops just fine. She didn't do much, much else very well, but I could stop her just fine. Um, but it is such a useful tool for so many situations because it does other things besides teach your horse to stop. So I think it'll be fun to revisit that a little bit on a future episode. It has saved my butt more times than I can count. Let me tell you. There you go. Well, let's take a little break and hear from Templeton Thompson. And then we come back, we're going to answer some auditor questions. Beautiful. 
Okay, that was a really good song. I've never heard that one before. Can always um, count on Templeton Thompson. Yeah, yeah, that was a really nice one. Um, okay, so we have a ton more questions, really excellent questions. Um, this one, I thought it was funny. Jennifer Jones asked this. She, uh, When I asked for audited questions, she goes, is asking about how to train for a collected canner as opposed to a bat out of hell uh, question count? Yes. Um, which I thought was funny. <laughs> and it kind of it sort of ties all into this theme. Um, okay, so uh, I don't know exactly what bat out of hell means. I don't know if that means the horse is running off or just, you know, goes all over the place. Um, but my answer would probably be the same for everything is um, don't worry so much about getting them like rounded into that frame immediately if their canner is really scattery and everywhere. And work more on getting that forward button to work for you. So this is something where one rain stops can often help or transitions, any kind of transition of any kind. So before I bring my horse into a collected canner, and that's pretty advanced. That's uh, that's a more difficult for maneuver for a horse to achieve. I want to make sure that they can canter forward relaxed without building speed. And then I can do all of this on a relatively loose rein without having to micromanage the horse. If any of those things aren't working, then me trying to push them into a frame is not going to help. It'll put a bandaid on the situation. So, um, on my younger colts, I'll do a lot of one rein stops at the canner. So I'll bring that horse into canner. I'll give them a very loose rein. Um, I won't even worry about where they're going. Um, you know, I'll stay centered in my saddle, grab that horn if I can. If you're in an English saddle, then just, you know, try not to fly off sideways. Um, and I'll let my horse canner. If they begin to build speed, and I feel like they're sort of, you know, run, their brain is running away with them, or, um, I just feel like things aren't going well. I will shut them down. I will do a one rein stop, shut it all down, stop, so stop your feet, soften, wait. Okay. Let's try it again. And, you know, maybe they'll give me two or three good canter strides and then they start getting all scattery again. Shut it down, stop your feet, soften, think, wait. Okay. Let's go again. And I might only get a few canter strides at a time with a horse, depending on how uh, how goofy they are about it. And I might do that for several days. Canter a few strides, stop. Canter a few strides, stop. Um, if it's an older horse, you don't have to go all the way to a run ring stop. You can do like what I was telling Rachel, bring them back to trot, bring them back to walk, wait for them to soften, wait for them to relax, then go again. So I'll keep doing that until my horse can give me a couple canter strides on a loose rein, and I feel like, okay, they, they feel pretty sane right now. If they can do a couple of strides, I'll let them go a few more. Now, they might go from three strides to six strides before they start getting all scattery. I'll shut them down, make them relax, soften, wait. Okay, let's go again. And I'll build up, you know, I'll add a few more strides as my horse starts to relax. And I'll build on this over time. It might take several rides until um, they can canter around my whole arena with reins that are sort of flapping in the breeze. They don't have to be doing a Western pleasure lope, but as long as I feel they're not building speed and I feel them sort of line out and relax, I'll just let them go. Let them, you know, let them canter all over the ring. And a lot of times I won't, I won't really direct them that much. If they want to switch leads, that's fine. Um, if they want to go into a corner, I might steer them out of the corner. So we don't have like a, 
you know, they don't get into kind of like a ping pong back and forth situation. Um, but I'll just, I'll try to stay out of their way as much as possible. Just nice, big canner on a nice loose rein. Only then will I start thinking about collection. And, um, I go at collecting the horse up or getting them into frame. Um, I start through transitions. Um, for me, a horse going into a collected canner, into an upward transition or holding a collected canner or any gate really, that's a more advanced concept. That that takes a lot of work for that horse to hold frame for long periods of time. So I, I sneak it up on them, you know, little bits at a time. So I teach them in the lower gates how to do a dr- downward transition into softness. So I'll walk them forward on a loose rein, but then I'll pick up, ask them to stop their feet, soften into that bridle. And once they get that pretty good, then I can go from a trot to a walk. So trot on a loose rein, pick up, soften into a walk. I'll do the same thing from canter to trot, canter around on a loose rein, pick up, soften into a trot. Once they can do that pretty good, they can soften into those downward transitions Then I'll start asking them to soften into that bridle and collect up as they're already going. So I'll start from a walk. We'll walk on a loose rein, pick up, see if I can get a few soft strides, give them back a loose rein. I'll do the same at the trot, same at the canter. Once they can soften readily into that bridle at all three gates, then I'll start asking them to hold those, that soft feel longer and longer um, until they can hold it for long periods of time. Once I get that going pretty good, then I'll start thinking about going upward into that softness. So I'll start from a walk where I'll walk them forward, pick up collection, then ask them to go into a collected trot. Same thing from trot to canter and so on. So I just tease those little bits of softness and collection on them over time Um, to canter into collection for long periods of time. That's one of the last things I'll get accomplished. And that that takes a lot for a horse. I'd say for the first year of training, I'll do a lot of picking up, holding softness for a moment, letting go, picking up, soften, let go, picking up, soften, let go, before I really start asking him to hold collection for longer and longer periods. There you go. And yeah, you touched on all the things I was thinking of. And if you if you cannot change your horse's frame and stride length at a walk and a trot. You're probably not going to be able to do it at a canter either. So practicing in the dressage world, what they call half steps or collecting the the walk and practicing it at the trot, lengthen, shorten, lengthen, shorten, lengthen, shorten, um, are both really good exercises for horse and rider because it helps the horse build that muscle memory and strength. Also helps the rider build muscle memory because it's the shift in your weight, not your reins, that are going to help you get that collected feeling. Um, and then again, at the canter, like you said, you, you can work the transitions in there and you do it for tiny, 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 tiny little bits at a time. And the biggest mistake I, I found back in the day when I was teaching a lot of riders, because all of my riders were English for the most part. Um, and in the English world, the majority of time at the lower levels, you're going from in, into a canter from a trot. And the actual transition from trot to canter was of insufficient quality. So that when the horse got to that canter, he was already out of balance. There's not going to be any collecting going on. So focusing on the fact that you're getting a really good quality canter transition, whether it's from a walk or a trot, so that the horse is already balanced. Because if he's not balanced, he can't collect. So all of those those things that uh, Mary suggested about... 
giving your horse those tools to carry himself, stay in self-carriage. He can lope around or canter around lightly using your weight and your seat and your legs to to keep him balanced, not your hands. Because that's the telltale. If you've been cruising along and everything's going great and then you start to do collected work and all of a sudden it's not working, probably means that your hands were doing too much work. So uh, great advice. What's coming up next? Okay, so uh, I've got another one from Tara Tibbetts saying, I have two horses who are bad about setting back. What are methods to work with older horses on this terrible habit? So setting back is where they pull back when they're tied up. Break those and crossed eyes. Woohoo! Break that halter. Yep. Oh, I hate crossed eyes. I hate them so much. Um, <laughs> yeah, so in the extreme cases, the horses break the halter, snap the rope, flip over backwards, injure themselves, break loose from a trailer at a show. It's it's a bad, nasty them. habit. And a horse that's done this over time, older horses, they get so bad that like as soon as you tie them up, they just go whack and like immediately break things as soon as they see you finish that knot. Um, so they just, you know, you can't get them to think about standing for even a second. So there's a couple things I do. Um, one of them is groundwork. So there's a lot of great ground exercises to get your horse to accept that pressure behind their ears. Most of the time what they're fighting back, they feel trapped and it's when they feel a halt, that halt of pressure right behind their ears, their natural instinct, they feel trapped. They don't they move their feet. So they just want to break out of that immediately. So there's exercises you can do with groundwork where you're going to put that gentle tug behind their ears and ask them to do the opposite of what they think they want to do. They want to pull back against it. You want them to think, come forward, give, soften, relax. So um, there's exercises where um, Pat Pirelli calls it the squeeze game. Clinton Anderson calls it the sending exercise. Buck Brandeman does it as well. I I don't know what he calls it, just like sending them by. Um, So I'll do this with a halter, long lead rope. You don't have to have a magical special halter. I usually use a rope halter, but you can use whatever you have. I would just say use a lead rope long enough to give you and your horse some space. So, you know, 11 feet at least. Um, And I will teach my horse. I'll start um, several feet off the fence and ask my horse to go between me and the fence. And I'll usually use a flag. I can use the end of my lead rope if it's long enough or a whip. And I will pick up a steady feel on that lead rope. So that horse will feel that pressure behind their ears. Very severe cases of setting back or uh, halter phobias, they'll want to run backwards. If they do, I'm going to gently put pressure behind their driveline with whatever I have, whether it's my hand or the lead rope or flag or whip. And I'll, I'll have to go backwards with them if they're really running back. But I'm going to keep that gentle, steady pull on that halter. And I'm going to keep asking forward with pressure from behind. As soon as they come forward and go between me and the fence, I'm gonna, they're going to feel that. They're going to release themselves into that. Um, so they'll feel that relief. And as they go by me, I'm going to step in toward their hindquarters and yield their hindquarters till they're facing me once again. I might give them a little break, rub them on the face for doing, you know, for figuring that out. And I'm going to gently do that back and forth and back and forth. And I'm going to do that until every time I pick up on that lead rope and my horse feels the pressure tighten behind his ears, instead of thinking, oh my gosh, panic, run backwards, he's going to think, relax. Give to the pressure, come forward into the pressure instead of pulling back. I do that on all my horses before I ever start tying them so that I don't have a problem when I do tie them. 
The other thing I'll do, um, I tie all my horses. When I first tie them up, I usually don't tie them off solid, even though I'm pretty sure they'd be fine. Um, I use a device. Uh, there's a couple of very similar devices out there, like the blocker tie ring. But my favorite one is called The Clip. And I think you can find it online at theclip.info. I'll have to double check that. And it's this steel clip. It's got, it's a big clip on top and it's got like a little hole on the bottom of it. And I, I come from behind, I double my lead rope, feed it through that small hole and go over the clip and then clip onto whatever tie ring I have in my arena. And what this does is if the horse feels they need to pull back and they do, this clip will feed them some slack. It's got a little bit of tension to it. So it's not going to just, they usually don't come completely untied unless they have a very severe problem. Um, if they do, I'll use a way, you know, I'll use a 50 foot lead drip if I have to. Um, so you want to use a long, pretty thin lead rope, like one of your marine yacht ropes works pretty well. You want to use a long lead rope again, at least 11 feet. And They'll get the ten, they'll get the slack they need when they pull back. Now, when I first started seeing these things, I was like, "Well, won't that teach the horse he can pull back?" What I found that it does is the horse is so panicked about being tied to a wall that he's like, "I've got to get away. I have to have room." So he pulls back, he gets a few feet of slack, and he goes, "Oh, okay, whew, I got my slack. I feel better now." So when he does that, he pulls the slack. And I do, I don't just tie him up and then go have lunch. I, I watch him and I do this in my arena. I don't want to do this. You could do this in your barn aisle, um, but I'd rather do it in my arena with soft footing. Um, and if my horse gets loose, they're still in, uh, you know, in something. <laughs> so once they pull that slack, I'll walk up to them, lead them forward, get, you know, take the slack back out of the lead rope, tie them where I want them. And I'll wait again. And, you know, if a very severe horse, we usually try again. But usually the second time they pull, they don't pull near as much slack. They'll only pull a couple feet out and they'll go, okay, whew, I feel better. I wasn't trapped after all. So I'll walk up to him, lead him forward, um, pick up the slack. Usually two or three times and they're like, well, I'm okay. I'm going to be fine. And I'll probably tie them with that device for a while before I tie them off solid. It's something where I've had very few horses. Uh, the only horse I've really had that figures out, oh, I can just pull this out and go eat grass is Guthrie, my gelding, who does not have a tying problem. He just has a, there's grass over there and I know this thing will loosen if I want it to. <laughs> he, just, he just pulls um, it out of the wall. <laughs> so I just tie his butt up solid. Like you're going to, you're going to be fine. Um but uh, most horses, I feel comfortable enough tying this, um, you know, tying them to the trailer with this when we're at a show. Um, I I've, I've don't really have an issue with horses uh, figuring it out and pulling the slack out. And it has, it comes with a little screw that has varying degrees of tension. So you can tighten it up to where you cannot physically pull slack out. But if that horse were to completely lose his mind and freak out, he will get slack. He won't break the lead rope or the halter. Um, and that's one of my favorite devices to use for pulling back. Um, uh, the blocker tie ring works really well as well, but um, they can, I've had horses get mouthy with it and they can undo it. It's not got nearly as much tension. So I've had horses kind of get out of that a little easier. I don't trust it as much for uh, a tying device where I could tie them to the trailer and know they'll stay tied. Uh, so the clip is the one I really like. And 
it's just telling your horse, you know, when they, when they need that crutch of, I have to have space that it gives them that space. And when they, when they have those kind of training wheels a couple of times, they go, Oh, okay. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be fine. Um, they, I've had most of them just stop pulling back. I've, I've had horses where I didn't have to do any special training. I just put them on that and they go, okay, this is okay. I'm going to be okay. Um, and usually after I've tied them with that clip many, many times, then I can start thinking about just tying them off solid, but I really love that clip. I love using it for the trailer because I feel like if I was ever in a bad wreck and that trailer flips over, those horses will get the slack they need. They're not going to get hung with those halters. Or one time I had my mule who's normally great at loading. Um, when I'm hauling by myself, I don't like to load the horse, tie him, and then back out and close the divider and everything. Yeah, that could end badly. Yeah. Yeah, even on a broke horse. You just never know. So this mule who always loads great, I tied him with that clip. So I just clipped the clip onto the ring. And he decided, I'm going to back all the way off the trailer now for no reason. And he backed all the way off the trailer. None of us, neither of us died. And he was actually still tied up once he was back off the trailer because I had a long lead rope. So I just unclipped him, reloaded him, clipped him back up. And it was, it was, could have been a very bad accident and it was a non-event. Um, yeah. So I really like that tool. That's a, that's a very handy safety tool for that reason, because a lot of us do trailer by ourselves and... Okay, you put the horse in the horse trailer. And my, this, you know, you, you live with your fears. My fear is when I put my horse in the horse trailer, if I don't tie his head before I go back and do the butt bar, he's going to turn his head around inside of that one stall of the two horse trailer and get his head stuck, turned around backwards, and then freak out. Cause I did have a horse do that once. It's probably a one in a million. Um, so, like, oh, I need to tie his head to something so he doesn't turn his head around. Right. <laughs> Right. See, it, it's, you, you know, you live with your fears. Well, that's that's a very thorough and excellent bit of advice because there are a million and one horses that won't tie or they do tie and then they panic and they break things, especially when you cross tie them. A tiny little spit of advice for folks because more and more people are um, getting X race horses. And just as an FYI, a thoroughbred doesn't get cross tied when he's a racehorse. They don't know what cross ties are. They don't even know what tying is, really. Um, they are tied every day from a very young age, and they're always tied in their stall where you can't back up and break something. And they're tied up with something that stretches. Um, all the farms use these big old rubbery things so that if he did pull on it, it is not hard and it wouldn't damage his, his neck. But he's not going anywhere. He's in a 12 by 12 stall. So when you get your, your thoroughbred, even if you get him and he's spent much time off of his off the track, don't assume he knows how to tie. He might be a cross tie breaker because nobody ever actually taught him to tie. It's like, um, did you teach your horse to load? No, I just put him in the trailer and now things are going bad because he didn't learn about all the little steps. So if you have one, take the steps that Mary talked about there or um, use a stretching device or one of the other safe ways and teach your horse to tie because they are it's it's baby steps it's not just time to the wall and to something that won't break yeah never <laughs> assume with any horseshoe buy because people's habits are are different even if they've done a great job like i had a horse that had a really bad trailer incident because um this horse was this woman searched the country for this horse this horse was broke to death good old broke ranch horse the lady who had it before did an excellent job but 
this lady was used to hauling in a cowboy stock trailer and just as a habit, that horse always knew to turn around and walk out of the trailer. That's just how it was done. She puts her horse in a straight load for the first time in its life because she uses straight loads. You don't, you sometimes just think everyone kind of does things the way you do. Could not back the horse out of the trailer. Her husband had to like pull the horse out by a rope and then the horse didn't want to load anymore. And it wasn't anyone's fault. It was just, it was just assumptions. The horse was a nice horse that was well-trained. It's just trained differently. So never, ever assume, don't get yourself in that bind and realize, Oh, you don't know how to back off a trailer. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's really scary. Well, we got, we've got time for one more pick one. Okay, well, since we're kind of on the trailer um, theme, uh, where is it? My horse was, this is from Patricia Fay. My horse was terrified of the trailer when we got him, so we practiced on and off with grain and praise and calmness. We started with just looking at it, feet in the ramp, etc. Now he will load if I swing the divider wide. Um, he does great, but sometimes doesn't wait until I back him off and instead blast backwards. I just taught, I just bought a dually halter to help with that. The trailer is put away for winter, but I'd like to start working on it again in the spring. Any thoughts? Um, so that's a common issue. Horse gets right in, but then wants to get right back out. Um, so I don't know much about a dually halter, what it does. You, you know, you could use that, that if that's going to help you, that's excellent. Um, you don't need a you know, any kind of super special equipment really. Um, what I do is, and this goes for any horse I load, don't get in the habit of just cause your horse is on the trailer. You can slam the door closed on them. Um, if that horse wants to back out, I let him, I do not try to keep him on. You're just going to wig him out more and possibly get in danger. If you get behind that horse and try to keep him on the trailer or close the door on his butt, If he needs to back out, absolutely let him. Let him back out. No problem. He's not in trouble. Um, And this kind of goes with the same instinct that uh, works with that little tying instrument is if they don't think they're going to be able to get out of danger, they freak the heck out. If you try to slam that door closed on him or you punish him for trying to back out, he's going to, his fears are going to be founded. He's like, I knew this was awful. Terrible things happened when you try to make me stay on the trailer. I don't want to do it. So let him back out. Let him take a breath. Tell him it's all right. And then load him back up. So I might have to do this several times. Load back up. He flies back out. All right. It's all right. Load back up. He flies back out. No problem. Load back up. He flies back out. Um, just giving him the option. Hey, if if you're that scared and you've got to get out, it's okay. You can get out. Um, that's how I can face my fears. If I, if I know that I don't have to keep doing this, if I don't want to, then I feel braver to try it again. So one of those times you load him back up, he's going to stay on for a moment or two. That's not the time to close the door just because he stayed on and was relaxed for a moment. Don't make him realize, you know, don't shut the door on him. Cause then he's going to go, I told you that was scary. As soon as I stopped for a moment, you slammed the door on me. Let him back out. You know, oh, so once he stands for a moment or two, then what I will do is say, okay, now I want you to back out. So you're the one calling the shots. Okay, back out. At that point, because he was really good, let's say he flew back out a hundred times, but then one time he stood on for a moment or two. At that point, what I'll do 
is if that was a huge accomplishment for him, I might put him away that day. Say, ah, wow, that was really good. You don't have to stay on the trailer. You know, let's go back to your stall. Or at the very least, I will lead him away from the trailer, let him grace for a moment, let him relax and say, hey, man, you tried really hard. That's that's good. You're going to get a break. And then I'll go practice again. And if he's, you know, I'll go for longer and longer moments where he'll just stand on that trailer. And then as soon as he stands a little bit more than he did last time, then I'll be the one to back him out and say, man, good job. I'll ask him to back off the trailer, pet him, give him praise, give him cookies, um, make him feel really good. I'm not going to close anything on that horse until he will stand for an indefinite amount of time. Um, and that's when, you know, when he gets on and I feel like he's really not going to back off, he's going to stand, he's going to be quiet. Then I can start working with closing the divider on him or starting to close the door on him for, for you know, for a few moments at a time. But I'm not going to do any of those things until I know he can stand for a few moments. So like, let's say I've hauled my horse somewhere. I open up the trailer door and he flies out. Well, if I have the time, what I'm going to try and do is say, no, nah, you need to get back in that trailer, load him back up, make him wait. Okay. Now you can back off the trailer. So get in those habits and, and do this when you have plenty of time, you don't have any place to go that way, you know, you have got the time and patience to work on it. Woohoo! <sighs> Loading is such a, <sighs> I feel your pain. Um, and since it's winter where you are, these are some things that we tried with our horses because when we got Scooter and Nigel, they both had they both came with uh, trailering issues, and this was suggested by I don't remember who. You can make a horse trailer analog if you you can do this in the aisleway of your barn if your aisleway is dirt and has nice uh, secure footing, or in your indoor arena or anywhere you can find some sturdy footing that is not slippery. Make yourself a horse trailer analog. Start out with two hay bales wide apart and keep narrowing or making them a narrower and narrower hallway and get your horse to the point where he's comfortable walking through it, stopping, backing up, walking halfway through, taking a break, read a book. So that he gets used to that narrow space and it's like, oh, cool, I'm in a narrow space. I'm good with that and make it one hay bale high. When he gets really comfortable with that, make it two hay bales high, wide, easy, and keep making that space a smaller and smaller hallway as he becomes more and more comfortable with it and get him to the point where he's comfortable walking in, walking out, backing up, stopping in the middle, reading a book. You can do the same thing with pool noodles. I did this a lot with Nigel because he is very uncomfortable with things enclosing him. Uh, for example, I have a clothesline in the barn aisleway. We have a barn that has the stalls in the center and the aisleway around the outside, a shed row barn. And I put a, a clothesline up and it's very high. So it's well above his withers. And when I, ha I can hang clothing, I hang the laundry on that. Well, I discovered that it's a really handy exercise to have him walk back and forth under that because as he walks under it, the things just slide along his body he's like oh you know you would think he had cooties or something when he does that and when i did that the first time i was like oh he doesn't like things brushing up against him well guess what happens when you get in a horse trailer you get in the horse trailer you slide the partition across and then it touches his body well it doesn't hurt but he's like "Ooh, it feels icky i don't like it and that was part of his traveling issue 
So we did that. We took pool noodles and we, and we kind of jerry-rigged them to the fences so that he had to walk through these little pool noodles that would bump up against his sides. And yet this is the same horse that I can throw a blanket on him and put up sur singles and tack on him. Doesn't care in the least. Fine with that because they've become familiar. So we just, everything I can find that I can get him to walk between and through. The other day it was cows. Um, but I could tell as soon as those cows were on both sides of his body and there was the, the, the chance that they might touch him, he was just like quivering. So that's something you can play with over the winter months that will kind of like at the beginning of the show when we talked about train the horse that you have today. Something that doesn't seem like it's going to affect it will in the end. So come springtime when you can get the horse trailer out and it's not the frozen north anymore, um, you're going to have some skill sets. You're going to have practice, you and your horse, working through situations that were just slightly stressful, not hugely stressful because it's baby steps. And then in the springtime, when it's time to start loading again, pretend you didn't do it at all. Start from square one. Go through all the steps you did when you first got him. Don't pre- pretend that he didn't remember any of it. He probably will, but by going slow, you're going to go a lot faster in the end. Yeah, those those are really great ideas. And you can check out Pinterest for all manner of pool noodle obstacles that you can make. They're portable. Um, you know, because if you think about it, the horses, the, their sides, their belly especially – it's a really sensitive area, and for good reason. Because if a predator latches onto them and tears them open, I mean, they're they're, gone. they're not going to. Yeah, there's no penicillin on the range, and nope. they don't know that antibiotics have been invented yet. <laughs> so they're incredibly protective of that side of their body. So you know, yeah, things brushing against their side, you know, they don't know is that a mountain lion, you know. So um, it's it's a very natural and ingrained instinct they have. So the more you can get them used to things brushing along the side and being in narrow spaces. That are that are pretty safe, like pool noodles and stuff. Um, that will definitely. And if help you, you use if you use trailer. yummy hay, they'll stop and graze. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, great stuff. We have plum run out of time once again. As a reminder, everybody, Mary is here the second Thursday of every month, and we get our questions from the super secret. HRN Auditor's Facebook page. If you're not an auditor yet, you can go to Horses in the Morning and look for the auditor banner, or you can go to Horses Horse Radio Network and look for the Become an Auditor banner. And those are folks who see value in our programs and through our Patreon account, chip chip in as little as a dollar a month, and then you get to be a Facebook fan. And that's a great little community where we share ideas, stories, help support one another, and you can get to submit questions to hosts on our shows. So do that today, and we will see you again next month on the second Thursday, Mary. All right. Yeah, that was a good show. Lots of good questions. Yeah. Remind everybody which, which your Facebook page is. Uh, Mary Kitzmiller Horsemanship, and you can find updates on my Mustangs and whatever I'm doing at the time on there. And, uh, yep, got lots of cool videos and all sorts of good stuff. There we go. We'll see you again next month. <laughs>